title of the message this morning is simply titled Prisons. Prisons. We all know what a prison is. Prison is a place where those in authority lock up those people who are deemed to be dangerous in some way. Some people are jailed for a period of time. Others are jailed for the rest of their natural lives. Prisons are not a modern invention. Joseph, from the first book of the Old Testament in the Bible, was locked up in a prison in Egypt for a time. It's been around since almost the dawn of time. Prisons have existed in many different forms over many thousands of years, but they all serve the same or a similar purpose. They've been a necessary evil because of the fallen state of mankind. As long as there is sin in the world, mankind will always need prisons to lock people away. Some prisons have a reputation as being the worst of the worst. For example, San Quentin in the United States, which is known for violence, corruption, and interracial riots. Alcatraz in California, an island prison which houses inmates from other U.S. prisons that were causing problems. So the worst of the worst prisoners are kept there. And moving to Australia, we have Goldburn Correctional Centre in the New South Wales, which is a super maximum security prison holding Australia's worst prison criminals. And Western Australia's own Casuarina, maximum security prison, the toughest jail in WA and the scene of the, one of the worst prison riots in Australia's history. These are just a few examples of notorious prisons There are many others worldwide, some of which have even worse reputations. Some have shocking living conditions, like Gitarama Prison in Rwanda, where there are more than 7,000 prisoners in a facility built to house 400 prisoners. Most are forced to stand barefoot for all hours of the day, causing their feet to rot. There is only one full-time doctor, and there are half a dozen deaths a day due to these conditions. That's a pretty bad prison. That's one of the worst of the worst. But believe it or not, there are even worse prisons than those that we've just mentioned. The worst prisons are not those where people lock you up. The worst prisons are those where you walk in of your own free will. I'm pretty sure that's a quote from somewhere, but if it isn't, then it should be, because it's true. The worst prisons are not even physical buildings, but they are mental, psychological, and spiritual prisons. There are prisons of addiction to drugs, alcohol, pornography, sexual acts outside of marriage, betting, and gambling. All of those prisons... All of those are prisons where somebody just walked right in and now they can't or won't walk out. All of these are addictions. They take you in bit by bit. They own you. They control you. Many have lost their minds, their reputations, their families, and even their lives to just one of those, to gambling addictions. There's a high-profile gambling case in English football at the moment where a Premier League player, Ivan Tony, has been charged with and admitted 232 breaches of the betting rules over almost four years. 
He will now not play for eight months and isn't even allowed to train with his club until half of that time, until four months. His reputation is tarnished, his career is in tatters. He has brought shame to himself, his club and his family because he got sucked in and thought he could get away with it. A recovered addict wrote this about gambling in a letter to a Minister of Parliament. It's a hamster wheel of misery, he wrote. Gambling owns them, lives in them, comforts them, loathes them, goads them, waits for them around every corner, pretends to be their friend while simultaneously destroying the very core of their being. In the worst parts of that, that same person's gambling addiction, they, they went to a bridge and, and thought about jump, jumping off. They, um, they drove at insane speeds along highways hoping that they would crash. That is the sort of thing that addictions do to you. The same could be said about most, if not all, other addictions as well. It's a prison that's more real than Alcatraz. There are other prisons of bitterness, unforgiveness, hatred and anger for past or even current events that a person may or may not have had any control over. Those prisons are also just as real as any brick and mortar prison. Those prisons eat you up inside and destroy you. They're like a cancer that consumes everything in its path and only brings death in the end. They don't even touch one hair of the head of the person or people who wronged you. All of your bad thoughts and feelings and anger doesn't reach past the inside of you, your heart. They only destroy you and you alone. And if you refuse to forgive, you can't be healed. As horrible as that sounds to someone who's been hurt, and maybe you feel justified in, in, in the hate and the anger within you, but if you refuse to forgive, you can't be healed. Just like real-life cancer, it needs to be cut out for there to be any hope of life. You can't allow a cancer to keep growing and expect to get better. And if bitterness and unforgiveness isn't removed from your spirit, it will continue to grow and consume you. The only way Jesus can heal you is to bring you to forgiveness. And he will, but it's up to us. We have to be ready. We have to be willing to take that what may appear to be a horrible step, especially if we've been wrong. And there's another type of addiction that is more subtle, but just as damaging. We live in a pleasure-obsessed society, mainly because people in society have got a huge God-shaped hole in their spirits. God designed us to have a space that only He can fill spiritually. And when He isn't filling that hole, God has put in us the desire to seek to fill that hole with Him. Everybody in the entire world has, God has put a desire in to follow Him, to seek after Him, to, to fill that hole with Him. The problem is that society generally isn't interested in God. 
They've been taught that evolution is real and that God doesn't exist. And so there's, there's no God-shaped hole. There's nothing that needs to be filled with God. And so they have to try to fill that huge hole with something else. That's why pleasure and entertainment and sports and having possessions are so huge in our world today and make the most money by far. The problem is that when you try to fill a God-shaped hole with something else, it only satisfies for a very short period of time. And you end up needing more and more of it to get the same amount of satisfaction. It just builds up and it gets worse and worse. That is where most addictions come from. But when we're in the church, we have no excuse to be like the world, like society. We have already found Jesus. So why are we still locked up in prisons? Doesn't Jesus satisfy you anymore? Is the world bigger and brighter like the prophecy this morning? If we find ourselves spending hours upon hours, day after day, just doing what we want, pleasing ourselves and feeding our flesh, then where are we really spiritually? If we're always pleasing ourselves, how can we be pleasing Jesus? It's an impossibility. Oh, sure, you might spend a little bit of time connecting to Jesus if you can, if the heavens don't feel like stone, but where is your heart really? If you're in the flesh, you can't please God. It's plain in the Bible. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 says, They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. We can't just serve ourselves and expect to please God at the same time. We weren't designed to please ourselves all the time, to do whatever we want that makes us feel good, whether it's sinful or not. That attitude is destructive spiritually. That attitude is completely outside the will of God. In fact, that attitude is destructive spiritually. Galatians 6 and verse 7 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. For he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. If we sow to our flesh all of the time, then it's going to reap corruption. And that's, that's not just something that's very small and simple, but that, that is something that, that um, completely destroys, um, it corrupts, it, it makes ineffectual our walk with God. But when we sow to the Spirit, there's life everlasting. Not just life, but life everlasting. We've got something to look forward to. We've got eternal life waiting for us. Yes, there are times that you are really sick and you might need to rest and relax for periods of time. God knows. 
But the same behaviors shouldn't continue once you get better. And on the flip side, God never designed us to work 24 hours a day either. There should be rest and relaxation, but there should be a balance. There needs to be a balance. There must be a balance with our free time. The balance isn't necessarily one hour to God and his kingdom, one hour to me. But if you're spending way more time on yourself than on God's things and God's kingdom, then that would be a good ratio to start striving for. The Bible talks about redeeming the time because the days are evil. Ephesians 5 and 8 says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. We're no longer the people that we used to be. We're no longer part of this society that has to fill a hole with something else. We need to walk as children of God. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no unfellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. We shouldn't be a part of what the world is a part of. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are approved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever does make manifest is light. And the Lord talked to us about allowing his light to come into our hearts this morning. Wherefore, he says, awake you that sleepers. If you realize that you're not in the right place, now is the time to awake and arise from the dead and Christ shall give you light. And that's not just being able to see, although that's a part of it, but that is, is goodness, that's, that's, that's him living inside of us, that's a lifting up of our spirits, that is an ability to walk with him in a greater way. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. We need to be continually filled with the Spirit, church. We can't afford to do things to excess. The world does things to excess. But God has not called us to excess, but he has called us to walk with him, to walk in his ways, not just to please ourselves to excess. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. This is what the Lord would have for us. There is a power when we worship him. There is something that uplifts our spirit when we worship him. There is something that satisfies when we worship him, when our hearts are after him, giving thanks always for all things. That's the good and the bad. Unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we have the attitude of worship, no matter what happens around us, then we will be changed. We will be strong in him. We will be able to overcome this world and the things in the world, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. We can never afford to be proud and to lord it over others or to judge others and make ourselves look good. The Bible talks about redeeming the time in another context as well in the book of Colossians. It says, continue in prayer, 
chapter 4, verse 2. And watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. It's talking about preaching the gospel to the lost, to the Gentiles in particular, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how ye ought to answer every man. The context of this redeeming the time is, is, about, is about reaching out to the lost. It's about, it's about using our time wisely to reach out to others, to pray for, for others that they would also reach out to actually build up the body of Christ and equip and, and help them to reach out to others about Jesus. If I could get someone to the piano, please. The good news for anybody that's in a prison of their own making, whatever it might be, whether it's any of the things that I mentioned before, we talked about Things like drugs, like alcohol, pornography, sexual acts outside of marriage, betting, gambling. And then we also talked about bitterness, unforgiveness, hatred, anger. These are all prisons. And then there's worldliness. Then there's carnality. There's things of this earth that can get a hold of us. The good news is that anybody who is in a prison this morning of your own making or if it's in a prison of a reaction to unfair circumstances is that Jesus came to this earth to set you free. He's spoken to us many times this morning about how he wants to set us free, how he wants to deliver us that if we will let him shine his light in our hearts, that he will set us free. Being bound, being a prisoner is torment. There is no goodness in it at all. And it affects us. It makes us be something that is unable to be used. Something that is unable to be used for God's purpose and unable to function in any way that is useful to anybody else when we're in our own prison. Jesus spoke these words about himself being the fulfillment of prophecy. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the prisoners, those who are unable to free themselves, recovering of sight to the blind, where he gives us light and ability to see ourselves where we're at, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. If you're a captive, if you're a prisoner this morning, in any way, Jesus preaches deliverance to you right here and right now. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. It doesn't matter how low you've reached. 
doesn't matter how many chains are on your soul this morning, Jesus wants to free and deliver you right now. You just have to respond. You just have to allow him to shine his light into your heart this morning. It doesn't even matter if you became a prisoner before or after serving God. If you've been walking with God for a while and you find yourself in a prison, Jesus wants to deliver you from those prisons as well. And if you're not serving God at all, if you are not following God, now is your chance to follow Jesus and be freed from your own personal prison. People cannot deliver themselves from their own prisons. But Jesus can. Jesus can free you. Jesus can make you whole again when you never thought you possibly could be. Jesus delivers from any sort of prison. If I haven't mentioned your prison this morning, then his, his power is able. More than able to deliver you. Would you stand this morning? Jesus is reaching out to you. You know that. He's made it very obvious. And so, I invite you to come to the front of the church where he will deliver you as you pour out your heart to him. If you cry out to him like we had in the, in the, the teaching this morning as, as we talked about Jesus wants to deliver you. He wants to heal you. He wants to set you free. Don't resist him, like he said this morning, don't. Don't want to hold on to what you have. It's a prison. It's holding you bound. There is no goodness. There is no light. There is no help within that prison. But if you come to him with an open heart and say, I, I don't know how I can be free. But I know, Jesus, that I want to come to you and give you that chance. So won't you come? Won't you allow him to deliver you this morning? He's already said that he will. You just have to come to the party. Just come to him right now.